QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan. And I'm very close to the microphone for this post-react because I'm hoping that this NPR-sounding voice will soothe the troubled souls of all of those who went out today to, to watch Charlotte FC take their first loss of the season. Uh, I will back up because uh, I don't know that I can do that for an entire podcast, but I do uh, hope that if you went to the opening game against the New England Revolution and you enjoyed your time at the match, uh, that you are with us for some sort of catharsis because that was not a great one to lose. It was as though we were on uh, a sailing ship in on a lake or perhaps an ocean, and suddenly the, the wind died and we had no more momentum. If only there was some sort of way to say that in a more abbreviated manner. Here to help me with things like abbreviated speeches, Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. It's, uh, it's great having real football back until you remember that sometimes you play real football games and don't win them. Yeah, and they don't go great, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One thing I will say about football in my life is football has brought me some of the the highest highs, right? Like there are days that I watch football matches, Charlotte FC matches, and things go right. You weren't expecting to go right. And and I can be in the best mood for a week, right? And then sometimes <laughs> you get you get these where uh where well where it takes the wind out of your sails, which was of course the abbreviated speech I was alluding to earlier. Uh, and it really did. I mean, I think we were all like looking for the positives. We're all like, ah, oh, it's been testy. We're finally seeing Latanzio ball. We're gonna, we're gonna win the league. And then what was it? 89th minute goal yep. for New England Revolution just absolutely flattened everybody, I think team included. But we'll get to all of that stuff in uh, our Wednesday podcast. This is the post react, which means we are going to stick to the script. That's right. We are going to do crowns. We're going to do cards. We did lose a football game, so I, we, we think it's probably right that we do cards, and then we are going to do our wrap-up. So, Justin, as ever, I'm going to give you the honor of deciding whether or not we start on the high notes or we start with the cards. Oh, let's start with the good. It's always better to start with the good, right? There was good tonight. There, there was positive to be taken from this, I even though the like result didn't go that way. I actually feel like there was quite a lot of positive to be taken from this one. And I think we're just down enough right now that that maybe the better one in general to listen to will be the Wednesday because we'll be more positive about the positives. But there are definitely some people who deserve shout outs. Justin, you want to take your first crown? Yeah, um, I'm going to crown the guy who, man, he was player of the season last year for me. And he he came back right back rested uh and put in another amazing shift uh and that's Brent Bronico. He uh he was in a, a midfield pair with Ashley Westwood sitting behind sort of the the attacking three of of uh Swiderski Gaines and Yizwiak and he was all over the place. He was linking play. He was pushing forward. He was putting dangerous balls into the box. He was taking guys on on the dribble. Uh he was he was great. And and you know, he once again just booked it for, for 90 minutes around the pitch, gave us everything. Um, I have 
One, I think it's a great shout out. I think it's a fantastic crown. I think he absolutely deserves the crown. He played incredibly well. He was everywhere. I have described him in the past as a diesel engine in the midfield, and I think that that's wrong. I think the descriptor I'm going to go with is he is a Formula One engine. The dude just goes at the highest paces. And, I mean, he is constantly, and maybe he's not redlining. Maybe for him, like, that speed is not redlined. But for every other normal human being, that speed is redlined. I mean, I challenge anybody out there to go and try and run a quarter as hard as Brant Bronico did. And I can almost guarantee you that if you're not a professional level athlete in anything, you're not going to be able to. Uh, I know professional footballers that can't run a quarter of heart of a quarter of as hard as Brant Bronico did. Again, words are hard. Uh, it, it's genuinely mind bending. I mean, I think we kind of, we kind of lost that at the end of the season last season. And we, we talked about it. We were like, this guy needs a break. And he got his break, and wow, he looks he looks like live wire. My question well, and he's, he's playing a different position than he played at the beginning of last year. You know, for players who remember him, or for fans who mostly remember him from last year, he was very much the defensive midfielder. He's so much further forward now. You can see that the grind set has continued. You know, we talked to him last season, and uh, the stuff that he talked about working on, he's he's proving it he's showing that passing he's showing that range he's showing that ability moving forward with the ball and so um i i just hope that he doesn't have to play as many minutes as he played last year i hope he gets the opportunity to rest the legs so that he can be this kind of fresh and this kind of dangerous through the whole season yeah he's also apparently developed the ability to dribble dribble six players and (laughs) uh, and then out sprint people to the end line. I mean, it, it genuinely is a remarkable performance from Brant Bronico. Uh, so I think it's, it's really good that you shouted him out. Um, we discussed a couple people who I uh, was going to take as a crown tonight. And the, I'm going to, I am not going to cheat. I want to cheat, but this is the first <laughs> post react of the season. I feel like we have to do it justice. Right. Uh, I am going to pick Andre Shinyashiki. And I am going to very briefly touch on why I pick Andre Shinyashiki. I think I'm going to, once I get the chance to rewatch this, I think I'm going to have much stronger opinions one way or the other, right? We created very little in the middle of the attacking central area. You know, anyone who's who listens to the footballing theories knows about the five lanes of attack. And if, if you've never heard about the five lanes of attack, essentially, you have five lanes across the field that should be filled with some different type of threat. Usually the outside two, one and five, are speedy wingers. Usually the inside two are creative midfielders who push their way up or are, you know, uh, attacking options. And then that that fifth role in the middle is usually either created by a number 10 who is very dangerous and forward or by a, uh, a number nine who is an over the top ball. And we have not really seen that, that threat out of that middle of the field, except with the over the top ball, which I think we saw quite a bit of Capetti doing today. 
Andre Shinishiki came in and, and it was there. Bang. In. Threat everywhere. Middle of the field, terrifying. Defenders on their butts. Ankles broken. Dribbling three players. getting Shooting balls off to the wings. Moving the ball quickly. Aggressive. In the box. Goal forward. Driving at opponents. All of the sudden, Andre came in and there was just threat everywhere. And I saw him do this in the preseason, and I didn't think he did a very good job of it. Today he came in and he looked revolutionary. So good on him. I mean, Justin, and am I overhyping this performance, or did you see what I see? I mean, this is exactly what we saw every time that Andre got a chance to see the field last season. Um, it, it is, I think, even more effective, like you said, in the middle as opposed to, to sort of out wide on the left. He's... He is incredibly dangerous. When he came in, there there was an incredible amount of threat. There, you know, I think we'll talk a, a little later about areas where we weren't seeing threat prior to that. And it, but but he had astonishing close control. He was you know he was keeping control of the ball in areas that we had previously been losing it. Uh, he was making smart short passes to to open up and create threat and create danger. Um, you know, we got a chance to talk with Ashley Westwood after the game and, and you, you know, when you mentioned Andre to him, he lit up, uh, his eyes got real sparkly at at the way that Andre plays the game. Uh, I got a chance to talk to him a little bit, uh, Andre himself a little bit after the match and, you know, asked him about that opportunity in the 10 and, and, you know, he's not a guy to toot his own horn, praise himself too much, but he did say, you know, he thought, he did really well. He thought that there was creation when he came in uh, and took that spot. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard to crown someone off of a a performance where they did not have to go the full game. They they had a shorter time to impact the field. Obviously, he's coming on to more tired legs in the defense, but he came on and it just looked like a goal was, from that point forward, it looked like a goal was coming that it was only a matter of time. And unfortunately, time was not something we had a ton of. Uh, I think that about does it for the crowns. Do you want to yep. you want to move to the probably probably more places to talk cards? Um, I will. I'll let you go ahead with your card here. Yeah. And I mean, there are some some sort of. Unfortunately, not necessarily card worthy, but kind of frustratingly anonymous performances elsewhere on the pitch. But there were a couple of spots I thought that were were particularly bad, and and I got to call out because I expect more of him, and I hold him to a higher standard than this. Nathan Byrne didn't have a good match. Nathan no. Byrne, it, you know, the the style this season, the formation, the 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 tactics, they do push forward. They leave a little bit more on the defender, the back four to do the defensive shift really effectively. Um, they, I think, ask a little bit less of them going forward, which I, I expected to play more into Burns' game. Um, and he, he just, he wasn't good tonight. He, he kept getting burnt on the outside. I, I do think that Barrero, the winger for, for New England, just too much pace, maybe a little too much guile, but Barrero was tormenting him all night long. Uh, and the few times that he was asked to go forward, he didn't link play well. He he didn't keep possession well. It was it was a tough time for Nathan Burr tonight. Yeah, uh, Barrero had his number all night long. 
Um, I have been on record when, because again, we put these out there on the internet, so there's literally a record forever. Um, I've been on record saying when Byrne came in that I didn't understand why they were bringing in a 30-year-old, 30, 30 31-year-old um, into a, a very high-paced position. I have then been on record going, holy crap, Nathan Byrne is insane. His positioning covers up all of his speed deficiencies, and he is marshalling the back line, and he is one of the best players on the team. I have even gone so far as to say that Nathan Byrne is, uh, I thought might be our most valuable player this season because of what he would bring to the people around him. Nathan Byrne, uh, we saw the other side of that coin today. Um, he was asked to do a very different job, you know, in his time in Charlotte FC, we have not seen him that progressive. I think the tactics of which we'll talk about more on Wednesday, but I think I saw Nathan Byrne overlap towards the end line for the first time ever tonight. And the balance was not right. Um, a whole lot of weight got put on Adelson Melanda on Adelson Melanda and, uh, we did talk to him afterwards as well, and he sort of seemed to relish playing in that open space. But I think a lot of Nathan Byrne's ability to take that position and and beat his man by being in the better place was lost today because he was running back. And he just didn't have the same level of time to recover, the same level of time to find the positions. And I think it didn't help him even further for the fact that Barrero looked absolutely devastatingly good on that side. I mean, he was fast. He was sharp. He cut the ball inside really, really well. He just seemed to have all of the answers at a time when Burns seemed to not be able to find where the right position on the field is. I, He did some good stuff today. He did a few things really well, but for somebody who most of the time we talk about just being the always there, always in, always correct. He was mostly not there. He was mostly not in, and he was mostly not correct. Do you feel like that's too harsh, Justin? No, I mean, you know, like I said, there were other anonymous and difficult performances here. And, and so to, to have to be in the position where I feel like, Nathan Byrne was one of the two worst Charlotte FC players on the pitch. He was he was pretty bad tonight. I I do hope and believe you know there's a common saying in football, right? Uh, uh, class is permanent, form is temporary. That this is just a dip in form because we know that Nathan Byrne has the class. Yeah, but it wasn't on display tonight. I I think part of the reason that stands out to us was it was so shocking. Like, there was a solid five minutes where I was like, Nathan Byrne got beat again. Nathan Byrne got beat again. Is that Nathan Byrne? Is that Nathan Byrne? Was that Adelson out there? No, no, that was Nathan. That, 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 was, that was Byrne. He got... I, I think it was almost the, like, the, the level of distance between what we were expecting and what we saw is, is really part of why this card feels so correct. Yep. I'm going to move on. And I'm going to talk about somebody who... Uh, may not be who you're expecting, Justin. I think I'm going to save that particular conversation for when All I'm right. in a little, a little bit better mood. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about, I'm going to card Mackenzie Gaines. And uh, yep. I'm going to card Mackenzie Gaines because exactly what I am worried about with Mackenzie Gaines showed up, right? 
He's super fast. He is willing to work his butt off. He is finding space out on the wings, and then absolutely nothing is coming of it. He's running himself into hallways. He's passing the ball into people who are surrounded by 18 people. He's giving the ball away cheaply. His touches and his controls aren't aren't to space that gives him options. They're to spaces that close him down. He just, I think he hit like three good balls in the whole day. And there's something to be said about the fact that he hit, in my opinion, quite a few more that weren't great because he's constantly getting there, right? He's constantly finding the open space. He's constantly finding the way to be involved and he's showing and he's pointing to his feet and he wants to be involved. And it is just not coming off for this guy. And I have spoken before about the fact that that's what we can't see from him. He doesn't have the excuse of no one's in the box anymore, right? He doesn't only have one guy in Carol Swiderski desperately hoping that he can gasp some air out of the sea of defenders he is drowning in. He's got people. He's got people supporting him. You know, this time he actually had the help of a right back who was overlapping. And admittedly, we talked about the fact that Nathan Byrne the balance of where he was on the field was questionable. So whether that helped him a ton or whatever you want to say about, about that, he had more options today and it still didn't come off and it still didn't look like it's coming off. So I'm worried. This card is a, I don't think he had a terrible game. This card is a, I see the, the flags of what I have been scared about for McKenzie Gaines. And they're they're waving in my face. So uh, I, I feel like this course needs to be corrected post-haste. Uh, Justin, thoughts on that? I mean, I don't disagree. You know, and, and I think that he's, he's damned more so by the fact that Kerwin Vargas got a run out and looked very dangerous. And, and we good. talked... We talked in the Wednesday pod, you know, about how thin the margins are on that side. Um, And uh, I just, he didn't do, McKenzie didn't do enough to stave off the onrushing effectiveness that is Kerwin Vargas. Uh, You know, we, we said he's earned the right. He got that spot most of last season. He definitely has the pace and, but to me, it felt for for long stretches of the game, he was out on an island. You know, he's asked to play uh, sort of on the shoulder of the last man and and make the runs in behind and be that outlet ball that that can then set up Capetti. And instead, he just looks like he's hanging out there on the right wing. And and you know, we talked about Burns' difficulties too. Uh, they're exacerbated a bit by the fact that McKenzie and there's just something Jess mentioned in our Wednesday pod. McKenzie doesn't track back very well. There's there's not a lot of coverage. There's not a lot of support for the right back defensively when McKenzie Gaines is the guy out there on the right wing. Actually, that is an amazing point, and I should have thought of it. Um, and this is why there's more than one person, because we think about different things. He does live his whole life on how he can, he can sprint to the open space. Um, there's very little of the track back. I, I think it's a really, really good call out, and that doesn't help Byrne or Melanda. Um, uh, so I, I would have called it a, a frustrating main t- uh, maintenance of the status quo for, uh, 
Mackenzie Gaines. And I don't think that, I think unless we see significant changes from him relatively quickly, he is going to be looking at becoming the impact sub really, really, really fast. Um, final final thoughts for you, Justin, on, on Mackenzie? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have every expectation that within the next two or three games, Kerwin Vargas is going to have that right wing. Yeah. Um, I just um, don't see how McKenzie can hold the, I, I hope he can change it up. I hope that, you know, maybe they change the game plan against St. Louis next weekend and, and make it more of a, we're going to hit those balls into the space behind on the right wing and let McKenzie run onto him and he gets an opportunity. But I just think that this is, this is going to be Kerwin's spot before long. Yeah, it does. It, it, it does start to look that way. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to roll us in. This has not been a super long one, but it is very late. We are recording after leaving the game. Uh, I, uh, I I have one last thing I got to do. Uh, is that your wrap up? No, no, I have to raise my hand and I have to apologize to the guy I named as the least valuable player for this team this past Wednesday <laughs> because so Joseph Mora, if, if Bronico had not, run that midfield as hard as he did, Joseph Mora would have gotten my crown because he was that good. Yeah, Joseph Mora was also my second crown. And he was spectacular. So thank you because he deserves it. Um it's 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 se- it's session episode one post react <laughs> of the new season and we've already thrown form out the window. We are in mid season form, ladies and gentlemen. Um no, we are gonna go ahead and Justin, I would like your two sentences to take us home. It, it hurts to lose the opener, but we did it last season and we still almost made the playoffs. Let's go ruin somebody else's home opener instead. <laughs> well done. I'm sure St. Louis is looking forward to having us. <laughs> I hope they regret it. Um, my two sentences to take us home are going to be football's back, baby. Ah, oh, football's back. And uh, with that somewhat disappointing outro, uh, if you have decided to spend this gut-wrenching time with us, we love you. And we will talk to you again next Wednesday. Goodbye. This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network.